Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello and welcome to Season 9 of uh, Wisdom of Friends Show. I'm your host, Cal Aras, and today I'm super excited and delighted to be introducing you to two wonderful people, Olivia DiNobelli and Syl Sebastian. Olivia is like an Alice in Wonderland, a perpetual explorer. Her curiosity informs and instigates a journey. Olivia's origins lie in simple but sublime beginnings. In the midst of what others would describe as trying circumstances, she made the most of her wonderful family life, developing a solid foundation of sturdy character, a focus she has spent her life extending and refining. Ever the lover of knowledge and personal development, Olivia set about engaging the world with the totality of her being. Everything she does, has done, has that component of developing and furthering her awareness, discernment, and understanding. Syl Sebastian is a philosopher, writer, focusing on the application of a comprehensive, practical, personal philosophy. He's a creator of the philosophy of appropriateness. Often offering multiple sides of an argument, he provokes self-introspection. His aim is to uncover appropriateness awareness, attention, application, attunement, and more, with a unique high-level understanding of the profound intricacies that interlace these concepts. Friends, this is a fascinating conversation where we talk about a variety of topics, including the art of relations and relating to another human being. What does it take to be a true, authentic leader and the way of the spirit warrior? I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome Olivia DiNobelia and Syl Sebastian. So good afternoon, Syl and Olivia. Welcome to the season nine of uh, Wisdom of Friends shows. I'm really excited that you took the time out of your busy schedule, I may add, to uh, come and join the program and share your wisdom with my audience. Uh, let me just start off by saying how we met. I had an opportunity to uh, be in uh, Arizona last year for a business trip. And on the weekend, I took a trip to Sedona where I had a chance to come and visit you in your lovely home. And uh, we had this amazing conversation about life in general. It was a wonderful conversation about impeccability and about uh, leadership and attunement. And I was just fascinated by what you've uh, experienced in your own life and the kind of work you do. And I knew that having you on the show and having you share your wisdom would be a treat for my audience. So again, thank you for being on the show and welcome to the show. Ah, Thanks for having us. No, this is great. And I'm really excited and looking forward to this. So uh, usually uh, the first question we kick off our show by asking our guests is a simple yet profound question. And that is, what's your favorite quote or philosophy that you live by and how have you applied it to your life? So why, Sil, why don't you go first and then we'll have Olivia uh, take it from there. Sure, sure. That's an easy question to answer, actually, because the core philosophy for, for me and for us is the philosophy of appropriateness. 
everything follows from there. And there's actually a very deliberate structure that this is based on. So appropriateness connects to awareness, connects to attunement, and you take that as a power triangle, and that's why it's called the A-plus philosophy. But this idea of appropriateness, it's not about proper. It's very different from proper. It's got nothing to do with proper. It is about doing what is precisely right for you, according to your motivations, according to your goals, according to your ideas, your intents, and within the overall context of your life, including the internal context, your immediate context, the greater context of the world, and then, of course, in your life context, your spiritual context. So we are looking to be appropriate in all of those contexts, to be in attunement with ourselves, our goals, our motivations, our directions, and where it matches the context. We don't want to be fighting the world. We want to be in tune with everything. And this is very powerful. So when we apply this for me, this is what we do. We're applying this concept of appropriateness in every single action, every thought, every mood, every habit, every agenda, every intent, every single thing. No, that's so great. And uh, I really uh, would like to ask you more about that as we go along. Uh, Olivia, I would like to hear uh, what's your uh, favorite quotation and philosophy that shaped your uh, life and how have you applied it to your life? Gosh, uh, there's not much I can add to what Syl has to say in, in this that ultimately I've come to realize that my philosophy and the way I've always lived my life is one that is governed by the larger context and the immediate context of my life and the appropriateness within those contexts. Oh, it's beautiful. That's really beautiful. And, and so this brings up another question, and that's uh, my own curiosity. Uh, I, you know, I'm looking at your uh, biography here which is really fascinating and uh still uh your journey began uh at the age of 10 it seems like where mm -hmm. your yeah. acute lifelong love affair with understanding began and uh you know since then you've just been focused on trying to understand awareness and more accurately your struggle with non-awareness so my question to you is uh you know what was the where did you grow up and uh what did your parents do and how did that influence uh, your life? Ah, I grew up in, in South Africa and I, I grew up in three environments. I was very, very fortunate. I grew up in a tiny remote town in the absolute middle of nowhere, which was ultra conservative, one step away from an Amish culture. We just didn't wear the uniforms, everything else was the same. Then I grew up in a middle town uh, in between the remote and the city. Uh, which was still conservative, but had some international influence in it. And then the last part of, of my of my childhood, last two years of school, I went to essentially Beverly Hills 90210, the same type of school. So I had the entire spectrum, and this is an ultra-sophisticated school and community just on a world level, you know. So I went from one extreme to the other. And this was this was massive in terms of perspective shifting. And perspective shifting is that's the workshop when we did it. It's so profound and it's so influential for me. And, you know, seeing all those various ideas uh, and, and seeing the different cultures, the, the different modalities, the conceptions, this was absolutely huge. And with this, this understanding of appropriateness, which I was very fortunate to just basically come out of the box with, that I was forced to adapt appropriately in each circumstance. That really shaped me tremendously. 
that, you know, I, I at an early age understood that I wasn't quite, you know, the usual. And so I had to make this deliberate effort to adapt and fit in appropriately. Uh, my, my parents, my, they're both essentially just yuppies, very ambitious, uh, very status driven. And um, one of my earliest memories was unhooking from their world. So they had a reverse influence in this that I wanted absolutely nothing to do with their world. And it was a major influence to me to not follow that path of status and ego, self-importance, all of this stuff. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Olivia, I'm listening to, I'm reading your bio and it's really uh, beautifully written. And it's like, you feel like Alice in Wonderland and uh, you've been a perpetual <laughs> explorer. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Olivia, oh, sorry, sorry, Olivia, is Alice, sorry, sorry. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, so tell tell us about your uh, little upbringing and how did uh, your parents' uh, values and philosophy influence you uh, growing up? My parents are very simple folks, and yet they did such an incredible uh, uh, way. They had such an incredible way of informing us by the, the very essence of their being. My father's a tailor, and my mother was a, a stay-at-home mom. And I guess from her, I got that Alice in Wonderland uh, approach to life in the sense that every day was a magical day. Every day was, you know, you get out there and you see what the world has to offer uh, how it's going to inform you. And my father, he he really brought us up to be global citizens. He informed us about the world, what was happening out there. And in that sense, I I got these two very different perspectives, these psychologies. If I were to say my mom is all abandoned and my father's very precise and those two different approaches to life uh, for me I realized that I had to find that middle road between the two because my mother would dance and sing and she would literally light up the house literally the quality of the light within that house changed well when she was mad or upset by or peeved by something you did the reverse was true too just like you know there was a thundercloud hanging over that home so all of that shaped me in incredible ways and also experiences i've had from the age of a year old when my mom uh weaned me from the bottle realizing that what i liked was not how things was packaged or how they were packaged but the sustenance within the situation that informed me at a year old and so many many experiences in my formative years informed me and shaped me along with living in a magical household with really my experiences with my siblings were transformative and impactful in simple yet elegant ways no, that's uh, really uh, beautiful. And uh, so just to kind of uh, recap, what you shared is uh, 
you know, you grew up in a magical household and your parents instilled in you the values of being a global citizen. And then, you know, there was that spectrum or the duality of preciseness, but at the same time, creative expression with music and dancing on the other end. And then that taught you to kind of like take the middle road and then uh, just you've gotten this insatiable curiosity about life and, uh, you know, appropriately uh, titled (laughs) Alice in Wonderland. Now, that's such a beautiful uh, metaphor for living life and just to uh just to kind of like add to that yesterday i was on my usual uh nature walk i do every day now since the last uh, eight months now i've started doing this at the end of the day just to be in touch with nature and one of the things i uh, usually take quick notes on my phone is that is just this inclination that you know i'm everything that's happening is so perfect there is nothing there's nowhere to go get to and there's nowhere to uh you know and i'm just totally content with what i have accomplished in my life up until this point i mean in some cases i've exceeded uh some of my expectations and 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 so i'm just like grateful and looking forward to uh, another beautiful adventure and how the universe unfolds its magic and you know just surrender to the process and i'm really curious about how it's all going to go and you know so that that perspective just came out of nowhere yesterday and while i was being in nature and uh it really uh set me free to an extent uh so now what you shared just resonates with me uh beautifully so thank you for sharing that um yeah, so still, I want to go back to what you shared earlier about appropriateness, and and what you mentioned was, uh, you know, this is not the conventional uh, definition of appropriateness, but it's like no. the appropriateness of the context of, uh, yes. you know, the inner world and the outer world, and part of that, it seems like that holds so much importance to you was your formidable experiences growing up. It's like going from a very isolated and secluded uh, upbringing on one end of the spectrum to being in, as you said, like the Beverly School kind of uh, upbringing on the other end and having seen the extremes of both sides of how that uh, life could be, you wanted to move away from that uh, ego and uh, the materialistic wow. aspects of it. And then, you know, you kind of like uh, aligned yourself with attunement wow. and appropriateness. So my question to you is, you know, somebody who is venturing into this domain of appropriateness, how would you suggest they go about untangling the web of uh, the chaotic web of materialism that they are, uh, you know, and again, I just want to point out that it's not all bad, but it's like, right. you know, so I want to take you, get your perspective on it. So what, what, how would you uh, suggest anybody approach appro- appropriateness? Ah, brilliant. I love that question. This connects to the other key core concept, which is impeccability. And in this context, impeccability is the best use of your energy or giving due respect to everything from an energy perspective point of view. So we can say we can just simply do a simple exercise to determine appropriateness, and that is to measure and balance effort versus reward. What is worth the effort to you for the reward is not so for me. 
I love the Olympic athletes and I, I just enjoy watching it. But the effort they put in to get a gold medal, not for me. No way. Thank you very much. I applaud what you do and I appreciate what you do. I enjoy watching you. But that effort is not worth the reward for me. Therefore, what is appropriate for them is not necessarily appropriate for me. So to determine our appropriateness in the context of impeccability, which is best use of energy, we say, ah, how much energy is this worth to me? And when we get to that point where the energy is worth the reward, that's when we understand the appropriateness, especially if our activities now don't conflict with our environment, don't conflict with our greater goals, our goals of being happy, being at peace, being at ease with ourselves, being sensible, uh, being ethical. All of those are goals that we look to strive to, uh, um, to accomplish and to satisfy all of those points of being that's whatever's meaningful and purposeful and significant to us those all need to be satisfied and this is how we come to determine appropriateness so really the key answer to your question is to simply apply capital d discernment to every single action that you undertake every habit every mood every thought every agenda and especially every intent that you have in your life when you do that you're going to say oh you know what? I'm actually pursuing a lot of things which eh, the rewards aren't really worth the effort. And when you get to that point, then you can start to reevaluate and you start living according to what's important to you. And now we come to a really profound point. When you start doing what is the rewards that are worth the effort to you, you start living deliberately. And this is what we do in the way of impeccability. It's, this is what to me is important. I wish to live deliberately. Now I'm living according to my choices. And this is that ultimate appropriateness, this context. I'm doing what's really, really important and matters to me, what's significant. When I live deliberately, then I'm living in the fullness of myself. And then everything becomes awesome and powerful and just fantastic and just magical. Oh, I and love that's it. The point that you, that's the point that you connected to yesterday, Right. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. That connectivity, by the way, that connectivity, what you expressed, that really expresses so much of Elivia. Elivia lives in that space that you were articulating. No, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's uh, it's really great. And uh, so what I'm hearing you say, uh, Sil, is, and this is beautiful partly because appropriateness is different for different people uh, because yes. it really comes down to there is no one size fits all. Never. And uh, it really comes down to, you know, what's important to you, what matters to you, what are your values. And then it again, it comes also comes down to is how much energy are you willing to expend for the reward? And then you yes. get to make that decision yes. at that point using discernment so that uh, – you know, you're optimally using your energy or energy management, if you will, uh, with impeccability. And, uh, you know, and so you start living a life of deliberation is what I'm hearing. And that that gets you closer to uh, living appropriately. Uh, so that's that's so beautiful. And, uh, you know, there was a story uh, that I had heard not too long ago. This was a documentary that was done on CNN about this uh, Spanish treasure hunter. Uh, who actually spent not five years, ten years, fifteen years, but twenty-five years looking for this treasure, and they finally he finally found it. But imagine an ordinary person, uh, you know, you five years later you haven't found it. Most of them would give up, uh, you know, with all the funding that you needed. You know, ten years later, you know, 
maybe few of them go in for another 10 years but this guy took 25 years to do it and i think it was like 27 years later he found it but the question really comes down to is you know when you believe something that there is a treasure out there and you know that you're going to find it and then you're willing to put in the effort then you're going to find it but again yes. it's the treasure is different for different people right it's for some it's 27 <laughs> years for some it's uh, it's within and you can find it <laughs> Treasure is within, yes. The treasure is within, yes. The exactly. treasure is within you, and you know it's eventually yes. uh, effort uh, reward. But for yeah. him, the rewards were worth the effort, obviously. Or at least I hope so. I truly hope so. You know, I also see people <laughs> pursue their life chasing a dream, and then they get it, and they realize, oh crap! You know, this is we deal with many people like that. They come to us. They they're very successful executives and all this. You know. Uh, having success and wealth and then they say i've achieved everything but i'm not finding satisfaction and that's mm-hmm. when they start to truly pay attention to what is really worth it they've been chasing somebody else's dream they've not been living their own lives and that's the authenticity that you were mentioning before earlier when you said this is the authenticity of your own self agenda your own self intent your own importance this is appropriateness you need to be appropriate according to you and you need to be aware especially first we start with awareness that's why there's appropriateness and awareness and attunement in order to be aware of what it is that does really really matter to you it's a yeah. big challenge yeah it's absolutely uh, well said and it's a great point and point noted there uh, so let me uh, move on to the next question here um, you know we've all had those uh, breakthrough moments in our lives but uh, you know when we look back at our life there have been like those successful moments and this could be materialistic success or there could be like those those paradigm shifting uh, breakthroughs if you will that totally transforms our life and the way we live life and we've all we call it the turning point of our life you know and things of that nature so so i'm curious and and this is to both of you when you look back at your life was there a moment in your life that when life was never the same again moment when everything shifted for you yes <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't you say that it was that moment we decided so to yes. get off the treadmill as we call it yes and the gift to, of intent moment yes yes That's the story. Uh, uh, that moment is encapsulated in the story that that uh, we still documented that moment where we deliberately decided to to get off the treadmill because of the overwhelming pressure on us by so many people who came into our restaurant at the time. who were lamenting their lost lives yes. people who had achieved everything supposedly in terms of convention and yes. here they were uh, literally grabbing soul by the the elbow yes. and saying hey if i were you you know yeah. and it was astonishing yes and yeah we had come together in terms of our individual progressions had had sell and my life collide and mm. for the first time in my life i encountered somebody who spoke my language who who was saying and expressing things that were inside of me and 
I had really at that point, I was wanting more out of life and not in a material sense because I had left the material and a very cozy situation behind. I was in my early 20s and I, and I wanted more out of life, more in that uncharted sense. And that is what I embarked on. And then together with that pivotal moment of getting off the treadmill, we really, in essence, jumped off the cliff, so to speak, in terms of engaging the more in a very, very profound and real way. Mm. Wow. Yes. wow, that's great. Really great. And then uh, how about for you, Sil? Was it a similar experience or...? Oh, yes. That moment, like, like Leva said, you know, the, the customers would grab my arm and say, if I were you, and what I always heard was a lament and a regret of not pursuing lost opportunities to follow their heart and their passion. And this really shook me up. And it was many times, you know, I heard a guy like, oh, I'm busy, you know, and, uh, let me go. I, and then I kept hearing it, kept hearing it, you know, and Leva and I discussed this. Then we shifted, and there was an additional point that added it. It was really a big deal for me because my pursuit of, of learning and of wisdom and of self-understanding and of awareness, you know, this has been my life until that point, you know, since I was age 10, particularly focusing on awareness. And I said, mm, you know, I've come to understand that no matter how much I know and I've read all the books and studied everything and all the stuff, it's a big, long story that, but I've come to the understanding that no matter how much I know, I still don't know anything. So I mm -hmm. cannot trust my decisions, my mm -hmm. decisions. And this was the transformative point. You know, the customers were just a stimulus to get us to this point to say, mm, if we cannot impeccably and ethically trust our decisions, if we know for a fact that, yes, they might be good in the short term, but in our life context, in the longer term, whatever we decide based on our limited understanding, no matter how broad we may think that limited understanding is, there's a good likelihood that our decisions are going to be flawed. What's the solution? The solution then, we said, was to start living by decisions which come from outside of us. And this was a huge shift. I mean, I cannot explain just how profoundly, incredibly huge this was. I mean, just as now, if I think I actually literally get chills all the way down my body, just because that was so just the, the courage and the stupidity in a sense you could say that it took to do this to embark on a journey where you're saying I'm not going to make decisions I'm going to go according to decisions which come from outside of me however they come we didn't know but we trusted because we couldn't do what we were doing not in our full honesty and impeccability so we went and saying I'm doing a not I'm not doing what I was doing before. I don't know what I'm going to be doing exactly. I'm going to have to figure it out as I go along, but I can't continue as we are now. And that, from that moment on, we went on this most incredible journey that will take us a, a year's worth of podcast to tell the whole story of just adventure after adventure. Unbelievable things happened to us, truly just magical stuff because we'd made this decision to live according to decisions outside of us. That's for something else. Doesn't mean that you stop being sensible, but still, it's really profound. Yeah, no, that's this is beautiful. And I want to, uh, as you can tell, uh, I have a few questions regarding that because I think... Uh, go ahead, go ahead. 
Yeah, what you mentioned was really uh, very poignant and, uh, you know, it's it's getting to a point where you realize that you cannot trust your own decisions because it's like making those decisions in vacuum and it's, it's like having the having the wisdom to know that you don't know what you don't know. Yes, and, exactly. And then, uh, you know, seeking yes. help or seeking the guidance uh, from outside. And would it, would you call that attunement being in tune with the universe? Correct. That is precisely what attunement yes. is. Yes. Because it's not, it's not necessarily looking for like, like from a guidance, from a source, you know, like a deity or something like that. It might include that, yes. But to be in attunement, anybody who's in business understands attunement. If you're a big company, you have to be in attunement with economy, uh, with the trends, with the modalities, with the moods of everything, fashion. You have to be in attunement with the, with the, with the obviously the, the economy and the, and the financial climate and also politics and everything that's going on. If you're not in attunement to that, you can very quickly find yourself out of the, f- the stream of, of business and you just find, oh, I've got a fantastic product, but I'm not in attunement with the times. You know, look at the iPhone. It came out too early and it was in attunement and then it had to come back again, right? So this is the same thing. We are looking to be connected to the all of everything, not just, you know, business, politics, fashion, society and all this, but also from a spiritual point of view. And now you are saying we are looking at the totality and we want to be in attunement to that. So being in attunement is like paddling down a river. You know, you don't just float down it. You don't just go with the flow, as people love to say. That's a terrible expression. If you literally go with the flow in a kayak, any kayaker will tell you, if you just stop paddling, you're going to wash up on the first bend in the river, right? That's what will happen to you. So you have to make some effort to stay in the stream, right? And sometimes the stream is too fast. You've got you to go to the side and go a little slower. It depends what you want to do. And this is what we talk about attunement. And, and appropriateness. You have to decide where you want to position yourself and you have to make that bit of effort to actually stay in the appropriate spot in the current, whether it's a lot of current or a little current, whatever, to utilize that. So this is very important to understand. You know, So when we are talking about attunement, this is it. It is utilizing the forces of the world and paying attention to what they are so that you can utilize them. Yeah, yeah I like to yeah. call it the language of the world. And the language of the world has always guided me since a child, since ever I can remember that our lives talk to us. Every day has its blueprint, its message. It it informs us from the minute we wake up. If we pay attention to our lives talking to us, it truly, truly informs us. It guides us. And at a very young age, I would call it the, the language of the world. It talks loud and clear. Yes. Yes. Because yes. I know nothing. And how am I going to navigate? I'll let Why? the world Why? show Why? me how. It's learning. Oh, sorry, Lydia. Yeah. It's learning to listen with that abstract ear, to hear the moreness of it, and to hear the bigger picture. And to connect to, and you don't let go of your underlying sensibilities. So, Olivia is saying she listens to the language of the world, but she's modest. 
her innate sensibility, her core character, she's always been really diligent and honest and, and has profound integrity. And she's very scrupulous. She doesn't waste her energy. She's very sensible. She has profound sobriety. She's extremely strategic and she's aware. She's paying attention. She's looking around. So this is not just a willy-nilly thing to do this. This requires a lot from us. We've got to do our part. You can't just be that leaf in the wind. Like I said, if you're on that river and going with the flow, you just get washed up on the first bank and that's the end of the story or you fall over the waterfall or whatever. So we have to do our part in this. But it becomes rather obvious when you start to hear the bigger picture and then you recognize the pattern and the flow of things. And it's very easy to attune that way. Even in business, for instance, if you see the pattern and the flow, if you're in tune with the fashion and, and the, the, the mood of the times, it's very easy to adapt and, and, and gear your advertising, arrange your packaging, your product to this, right? So it's the same thing. We're just applying it in a greater sense than just business. You know, because of course, if you really get into business, it starts to become a spiritual affair. But we are just applying it in the full context of everything that goes on around us. There are many forces in the world, and it, it, it just pays, it, it behooves us to pay attention to all of them. And Elivia's always done that. She's always listened to the world in a most incredibly profound way. It's really magical. But she does her part. That's also important. No, that's great. And I really want to dig into that a little bit further as we go along. Uh, and and it just kind of like uh, just to summarize what I heard you say was, and I liked what you said was, the ability to be sensible along the way and not to be yeah. irresponsible or uh, imprudent yes, and uh, just yes. let everything go. And uh, you know, and one of the things that reminds me uh, a year ago, uh, as you know, I work in corporate America and I'm you know I'm in management and I manage uh, global teams wow. and. And one of the things that, and I'm also a creative artist at the same time, you know, I like writing books, I like doing workshops, I do uh, I conduct uh, spiritual workshops and happiness workshops. And, and and so there's always that balance of the masculine and the feminine, the yin and the yang, and then just the energy flow. Uh, and, and what ended up happening was uh, there was a point where I had to decide and choose you know, what direction do I want to go? And uh, and the appropriateness that was important for me was, you know, looking at my management career was it was no longer about trying to accumulate titles. It was no longer about getting to a certain position or hierarchy or the, you know, up the food chain in the organization. But I recontextualized it to say, what if this was an opportunity for me to be the best leader I can be, the best human being I can be, where I can be the best uh, resource manager of all the resources I have. And, you know, then every day becomes a training ground for me to go and try my skills. And and I I remember one of our conversations that we had last year that kind of like stuck with me was, you know, insights don't mean a dime. There are a dime a dozen right. of insights. Right. What really, really matters is the application. You know, how uh, do you how yes. do you apply it, and how do you learn from it? Because life is always going to, uh, yes. you know, dish out uh, interesting yes. situations, right? And and it's like it it tests you with all these lessons until you actually learn it before it gets ready to. Uh, 
test you with another lesson. It's all meaningless, right? Yeah, it's empty and meaningless at the end of it, but it's really the personal growth that you uh, yeah. and the difference yes. you make and along the way, and it could yes. be different for different people. But I really, I really like Olivia, what you said about the language of the world, and I want to uh, listen to uh, listen to you share a little bit more about that, because I think in this... Uh, in the society that we live in, you know, it's so driven, it's so goal-oriented, and it's so outcome-based that people tend to be so single-minded that they tend to lose uh, sight of the journey and they focus on the destination, right? And then, and that's one analogy, a metaphor, but also they lose out on the messages that the universe is trying to tell them or the signals that your environment is trying to give you. Yes. Uh, and, and so my question to you is somebody who's a layman who's like now has just got an awareness as Sil uh, says, you know, the first critical aspect of it is being aware, you know, so how does one go about being attuned? How does one go about listening and to the language of the world, how would you suggest somebody does that? Well, I think every day we get up, our life informs us. So we have to pay attention to what comes about. It could be a simple thing as a phone call and just the, the, the ramifications of that phone call in its abstract gives us input in terms of, oh, This is the blueprint for the day, the theme of the day. This is how we attune. So this is what the day is going to be about. So now I am more vigilant because I have a starting point and I'm going to pay attention to the abstract of what that, in this example, the phone call revealed whatever that might be. So my whole day unfolds uh, attuned to those abstract, to that abstract message. And all the the subsequent uh, signs, omens, the anomalies, in other words, that guide and shepherd me in, in the... the, the in that whole day, the unfolding of that whole day. So that's one day, and every day is lived that way. And so you have the accumulation of one day and another day, the accumulation of the minutiae of our lives that really uh, weave the tapestry of how we live. Just following those anomalies, those signs, those omens, attuning to them, aligning with it, being open, not taking anything for granted, being vigilant, and then acting on the message, what is what is being said, what our lives is telling us. No, it's so day great. Day in and day out. Sorry, would you say, Livia, that for you it is paying attention to what comes your way from a symbolic and a metaphoric perspective. Yes, those are the anomalies. I enjoy metaphor. So that's why I, I, Alice in Wonderland, that's just a metaphor for my curiosity. 
when we look at the metaphors within any given situation, a phone call, what somebody says, a story they relate, uh, a song on the radio that can govern your whole day. It's, it's incredible. It's magical. It's mystical. Then the mundane becomes sublime and extraordinary just with these simple little inputs that govern us. And that's the wonderland that we actually live in. Is there an implication underlying what you're saying? That to you, you sort of assume, or by implication, to you, there's a mourners to absolutely everything. Everything. And that's what you look for. You look for that mourners through the symbolicness and the metaphor, the metaphor of everything, yes? Or that in everything. the simple and the mundane things in our lives are actually exceedingly profound. Mm. Everything is is extraordinary. Or I could say within the ordinary, there's always the extraordinary. If we care to to see it, it's there for all of us. Oh, it's beautiful. And how? By just paying attention. That's all it is. Oh, it's so great. In a particular so way. Paying attention in a particular way to hear that mourners because now we are hearing we're saying what does this mean to me what does this represent to yes. me how is this significant to me how what are the implications of the significance how does this matter to me in a bigger picture and then we're just thinking about and we are connecting the world around us to what really matters to us and it's through that connectivity that we get direction because yes. all we are doing is paying attention to what's actually important to us and then we pursue what's important to us and we are seeing what matters, what makes a difference, what's significant in the world around us. You're like a surfer when the waves, you know, you sit out there waiting for the waves. You paddle this way, you paddle this way. They're not doing that for fun. They're doing that to position themselves, to be in the precise position, to catch that wave where it's going to break because they don't always break in the same place. That's attunement. This is paying attention. So when you see that there's a difference, you have to pay attention. Then to align to it, that's when you actually catch the wave. But you have to pay attention to those forces and the things that matter to you, what's significant to you, and to see what are the forces in the world around you. This is the whole magic of attunement and metaphor and symbol to realize, oh, this is just a connectivity to what really is important to me and what's going on around me and how I can balance those two and use those forces appropriately. One of my favorite ways to spread the message of a mission here at Wisdom of Friends is through speaking. Over the last two years, I've delivered keynotes and workshops at professional associations, small and large companies, on topics related to engineering happiness, how to boost productivity, employee engagement, and workforce stability for bottom line results, and the science of happiness and the art of fulfillment. So if you think... I'll be a fit for your upcoming event and want to learn more. Visit the speaking link at wisdomoffriends.net and get in touch. Again, it's the speaking link at wisdomoffriends.net. A couple of practices so that we can give for our audience uh, here uh, so that they can take away uh, not just this concept as an abstract phenomena, but something that they can mm-hmm. practice on a day-to-day basis. Now, for me personally, as I shared earlier, uh, 
you know, walking, doing nature walks is my source mm-hmm. of being in tune with those forces out there and the universal forces and communicating with that and being still in nature or a practice of meditation. When I get those uh, random ideas and I make all these uh, connections from different domains or disciplines across the board. So what are some practices that Syl and you, Olivia, that you practice that have helped you uh, build on the muscle of paying attention and being attuned are there any specific techniques or tactics that you use or recommend? Oh, yeah. Let me ask you real quick. Sorry, Livia. I want to ask a cow. On your walk yesterday or any of your recent walks, is there something that jumped out at you in terms of it being unusual, odd, peculiar, anomalous, something that kind of didn't make sense? It's like, wow, that's really wild. You know, that's that doesn't, that doesn't compute. That's almost impossible. It's like, wow, this is really different. Anything like that that happened? Yeah, absolutely. That's such life, a yeah, that's such a great question. It happened yesterday, and uh, ah. I've been walking. That you know, I go across to this in Seattle. We have this beautiful uh, neighborhood called Green Lake, and it's like a three point five mile walk around this beautiful lake. And I've been, I've been walking that lake for I don't know, close to three years now. And only yesterday, wow. while I was walking, I noticed this tree which was an unusual tree amongst all the other trees around. And I'd never seen that tree before. And it's been around for. And I just stood there and I wondered, and it looked like a Christmas tree, to be honest, but it was huge. (laughs) And I was like, what's the metaphor here? What's the symbolism here? There's got to be be something. (laughs) But you personally, here's the key question. So you're asking me and I'm asking it in reverse to, to illustrate the mechanism. So the, the, the practice is to say, oh, this is unusual. This is different. What does it mean to me personally in the moment? What were you thinking of at that point in time? What was on your mind? What was in your heart? What were you looking to resolve? What was an intent that you had that was ongoing inside you when you noticed that tree? You know, I was just listening to a conversation about uh, about greatness and, and the metaphor that I had heard Right before I noticed that tree is that, uh, you know, I come from greatness, I attract greatness, and uh, I am greatness. And that was the that was the metaphor, or that was the quote that I was just kind of like listening to on this audiobook. And when I looked at that tree, what, what I realized was there is greatness in every living being on this planet. And they're all coming from the same universal source. So there is nobody superior, nobody nobody is beneath anyone. It's just a matter of uh, noticing your own potential, your own greatness, and connecting with that. And that's the that's what I took away from that. Uh, you saw yourself in that tree. I did, yeah. And you realized you'd been walking by your greatness all this time. And it was right there in front of your eyes. It was always there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you could be distinct. You could be different from everybody else. Every And I remember, like, I used to wear, I wore the red shoes last time I was there. And you noticed it instantly <laughs> when I was in Sedona. Yes. And you made yes. a comment about it. I was like. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because it was anomalous, you see. Yes. <laughs> we had to pay because we're in the habit of pain. So this is a magical exercise when we pay attention to what jumps out at us, what grabs our attention. The key 
is not just to look at it in its own self as symbolic, but to say, what does it mean to me personally? Not what it generally means. You know, a, a Christmas tree can mean anything to different people, what it means to you. And then to connect it to what is going on inside you right then and there. So this is the key. It's not, yes, it might have an ongoing thing more in the greater term, but when we make that connectivity to what was going on inside you right then, then we see the significance. Then we are fully in attunement, right? I mean, I can see away from the shore, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be able to catch it. It's in the now. It's in the now. You've got to ride that wave right then and there. And that it's about finding that point of what was breaking and going on inside you, finding that breaking point. So yeah. it's a very it, intimately moment. Sorry, Olivia, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, I was just thinking of what Carl was saying about uh, listening to that quote about greatness and being greatness and attracting greatness. And yes, this Christmas tree, and Christmas tree, and the 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 gifts uh, that are under the Christmas tree, and that life itself is this Christmas tree with all these gifts. And attracting greatness, and what are the, what are the the gifts of, of of greatness that it, yes. that is there in your life, and that you are attracting at that moment, and that's always there. Right. So it's 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 marvelous when you look at life in the, in that way. It becomes incredibly fun. How are you, a Christmas tree cow? <laughs> yeah, know, really. I'm really asking. Gifts. I really want to know. How are you a Christmas tree that attracts gifts to be put under you? Oh, how that's you uh, yeah, that's a great question. Focal and center point. And what is your treeness, in other words? Yeah, that's such a beautiful uh, question, and it's really a good question. And I think for me, uh, you know, it evolves. There has never been a constant, but there has been an evolution over the years. But it really comes down at the underlying theme of it is to use my gifts to make a difference, and and uh, and it can be in the sense of. Uh, you know, uplifting others or helping others realize their own potential, or it can be in the sense of contribution towards, uh, you know, solving some of the greater challenges that we face in the world, like, uh, you know, poverty and healthcare and, uh, you know, conflict and, and, you know, using my network, using some of the best practices that I've had the uh, privilege of having educated in and having experienced in uh, to combine all of that, facilitate all of that, to uh, to use that in a way that benefits the world at large. And, you know, that's really, uh, for me, is my way of giving back a contribution. And, you know, it, it takes different forms every year. I mean, I've noticed... Uh, there have been times when it's showed up as a fundraising event for a nonprofit. Uh, some days, some years, some some days, and some moments, it's showed up as having just a conversation with a dear friend <laughs> that uh, just wants to be heard. And uh, it comes to you. It comes to you like the presents come to the Christmas tree. Absolutely. <laughs> and all you have to do, yes, a yes. Christmas tree doesn't actually do anything except be. Yes. You just have to be cow. No more, no less is required. Same with a tree. It doesn't have to do anything special, anything in particular. It just has to be tree. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. The gift you put under the tree. <laughs> so cow just has to be that Christmas tree. 
You don't have to do all of this. I know you just have to be cow, cow the Christmas tree. With yes, the red shoes. No, this is so great. Uh, no, no, I want to kind of like. The red uh, yeah, I want to sh- uh, shift gears here. For, <laughs> that, that too. Uh, I want to shift gears here for a second and uh, talk more about a couple of other uh, topics here. And uh, and one of the things that really caught my uh, interest and like really uh, stood out for me was your take on relationship and relationship magic. And one of the things that you talk about is, you know, uh, the ideal of a relationship or I'm a paraphrasing it is it's like no expectations and no obligations. And, uh, so if you could like say a little bit more about that and say, how did you come to that, uh, understanding and why is it important to have no expectations and no obligations? If you could, a little more about that uh, that would be awesome Lydia you want to go yeah I would say the thing that trip us up are our expectations so that's the first step to getting to that realization that the success or when relationship magic happens is when we have no expectations and no obligations in that whatever happens then is a gift. Coming back to the gift gift yeah. theme, <laughs> that all of it is, is a gift. The experience of another person is a gift. The yeah. incredible uh, learning uh, uh, that we encounter, wisdom, insights in just connecting to another human being, regardless of where they are at or what they are about, the the relating reveals so much and is a gift for us. So we don't have to have these expectations or obligations because the gifts under the Christmas tree is always there. They just come. They come through and via these relationships. Cow being cow, soul being soul, they all inform us in ways extraordinary. We might not always like it. We might not necessarily in the given moment appreciate it. However, it's always so rich in that it expands us. It refines our spirit. It forces us to, I say force in in, uh, in quotes, it forces us to, to really pay attention to to honor the moment if not necessarily the individual to respect the bounty that life has to offer to respect life itself that that other person's humanity whether we agree with them or not with all of that is is rich and has so much to to offer us and vice versa and if we if we don't stem that flow, if we allow it to be, then it's it's astonishing. And hence, there is no need for expectation or obligation. It just gets in the way of really being able to access what the other person's about, what we're about within that dynamic how the two 
come together, that relating, that new thing that is born, how does that inform us about ourselves first and foremost is incredible and is so enriching. Uh, Cal, let me ask you, in your relationships, if you take away the, any expectations that you have and say to anybody, whatever relationship it is, say, I have this as little as possible obligations. Of course, in business, there are obligations, but as little as possible, right? Are you not then affording them the freedom to be their real selves? Furthermore, one, one more point, sorry. One more point. Furthermore, doesn't that just unhook you from any ideas of who you think they could be and might be? And this opens you up to actually perceiving and connecting to their mourners because you are not filtered by your expectations. Which, if you know, when people see you, do they always see the, the tree? Do they always see this massive magical you that is the mourners that isn't immediately apparent? Right? So if there's no expectations of you, they can see that greatness, that mourners of self, of, of Cal, yes? Yeah, and, and I see what you're saying. And I, you know, f just to uh, uh, prefix, uh, just to preface it with... Uh, my, you know, as as we all know that uh, there are as as human beings, uh, it's it's a journey towards the ideal, and there is a, a learning curve towards as we make progression towards that. Uh, but to give you an example, one of the ideals that I do have, and I've also written a book on it. It's about it's called the Seven Symphonies of Extraordinary Love, and the the gist of my take on that is that there is another dimension of relating to another and that is going in with the sole idea of contribution without expecting anything in return. Yes, it's, exactly. Uh, you can call exactly. it unconditional love. I just call it extraordinary yes. love. And and the thing is, yes. it's an ideal. I understand that in uh, to be more practical. Uh, and the book, in the book, what I've done is I've kind of compiled stories from ancient history covering all different dimensions of a human existence, right from parents and children and brothers and friends and teacher and student and, you know, man and community and, right, right. and uh, man and uh, higher self. And, and the idea is that it is possible to be unconditional in your, in your giving or in your contribution. This, uh, there is that beautiful quote by Hafiz, I believe, that says that, you know, after all these years, the sun doesn't say to the earth, you owe me. And yes. can you imagine what happens to, to a love like that? The entire sky lights up or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, magical. that's, and it's, it's really, uh, it's a beautiful sentiment. And I can understand uh, your, both your and Olivia's take on it. And then for me, it's really also comes down to generosity uh, yes. Yeah, generosity of spirit. A generosity yes. of spirit, because it really it is. Uh, it for us. It's it's really what's that? There was a beautiful uh, uh, quotation by uh, some Taoist philosopher. He said, "You know, like be like a river, 
you know, as the river flows, it comes in touch with all these organisms along the way, yes. right? And it nourishes the organisms as it moves along, yes. but it never stops to look back and wait for any kind of praise or recognition. It right. just moves away by doing exactly. its job. And, exactly. and that's what I'm hearing in your sharing. The river has no expectations. The river has no expectation. It does its thing and it goes along and moves no on. No obligations. Wow. Yeah, but uh, let, me, let me ask you this. How does that, because I also want to kind of give some practical uh, mm. ribbon to this gift of love ah, and relationship. Love practicality. <laughs> because oh, people, it's what people, we do. Yeah, people are in relationships. People are... Uh, are trying to create a new relationships. They're moving away from breakups. They're approaching a breakup. So how does this conversation, this context, apply to agreements that somebody may have had already in place, like a marriage mm. or a committed mm. partnership, you know, what? or for example, what? there is a business relationship. What? Right? So what? how does this apply to those kind of situations in your viewpoint? Oh, excellent. Excellent question. So when we say for, you know, the, the quote that I, I shared with you or the point that we make from our standpoint is rule number one of relationships is no expectations and no obligations. Now, if we take that in context, we're going to say, obviously, we're going to attempt to minimize that as much as possible. Because in a marriage, in a business relationship, there are some obligations and there are some expectations that follow from that. So we have to be clear what they are precisely to know exactly what they are so that both sides are very clear as to what those necessary expectations and obligations are. Now, when it comes to relationships in a more romantic sense, specifically, we want to say, and it comes to love, is my love freely given and am I receiving the love freely or is there some expectation involved? If there's an expectation, then it's a contract. Very different deal to love, right? A contract is something else entirely. If I'm making a contract to, to do this and I'm going to get this in return, okay, that's fine and well. Be clear about your contracts. Understand, like an L business will tell you, if you don't write the terms of your contract down, that ends up in a lawsuit, right? Or divorce court, either way. So know precisely what your agendas are, what your intents are, and make sure that they are reciprocated. It's not a one-sided deal. Right? So this is the question you can ask yourself when it comes to expectations and obligations. When is it a contract and when is my love free? When am I giving my love without expectation? If your love has expectations and, and conditions to it, it's not love but a contract. And be aware of that. There's nothing wrong with a contract, but be aware of it. If you want to truly love, well, in my opinion, and I think in yours too from what you were saying, and your book, that we have to love without conditions, which is uncontractual love. We are looking to rise above that. And if you really want to have a solid relationship, don't have a contractual relationship. Have a free one that allows your partner, those involved, to be the fullness of themselves, to change, to adapt, to merge, to do whatever it is, and you're going to enjoy them and love them no matter what. This is a most, most magical relationship because it enables the other to expand, to grow, to learn, to change. We don't limit them. Expectations tend to be limiting. Yes? And obligations, if we don't fulfill them, tend to lead to resentment. So when we have those, they tend to corrupt our relationships. So the more we can unhook from them, the more ideal. Yeah. yeah? Consideration. Yes, to exactly. to uh, considerations are 
are a whole different ball game when we consider each other and when we care and nourish each other freely i mean yes. i can't think of so consideration has no impingement to it it just i consider yes. you to care exactly. is to nourish there is no, no you you can't contract caring and wow. nourishing it's exactly. it's either part of your being or it's not or you, i guess wow. you could cultivate it however wow. those are all elements and a dance that happens in relationship that has nothing to do with with obligation or expectation wow. it's a choice free and clear and there's a bigger point that comes involved in relationships when you in a, a a contractual relationship most contracts imply some sort of equivalency yes in business fair trade right a contract that is massively imbalanced in business would be seen as as unfair or you know in some way distorted or imbalanced right but in a relationship we can you know both sides you know it just in my knowing of Olivia the massive amounts of incredibleness that I've received I feel I can't possibly contribute back so it's a one-sided thing but I know Olivia is sharing her magic freely so I don't feel obligated I don't feel like I have to uh, uh, respond with equivalence no I can just accept this magic that comes my way and this is profoundly liberating otherwise if you feel you have to balance it and be equivalent you might develop a guilt and then you know mm. after a while i can't respond and now you might feel resentful and you know get uh, uh, upset about this and there you have the corruption now, this idea of equivalency when you have no expectations and no obligations this idea of equivalency just goes out the window and this is profound when it comes to long lasting relationships there is no equivalency we are different people we need to learn to celebrate celebrate our difference and yes. therefore yes. uh, equivalency becomes moot Exactly. Equivalency is a non-issue exactly. when we truly exactly. celebrate each other's difference. Yes. That yes. what yes. one person brings yeah. to the table and yeah. another person brings to the table might be yeah. two totally different exactly. uh uh exactly. attributes. Two they are two yeah. different beings. Yeah. So the yes. beingness is yes. very very different right. and you cannot e e um draw any equivalency yeah. to yep. beingness yep. you know one person yep. might yep. bring something very nebulous to the table right. another person might bring something very concrete however yep. how do you draw uh, any equivalency between nebulous and con yep. and concreteness you can't It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. No, so the practical. Yeah. Uh, so just to sum up in one sentence, the practical application of no expectations and no obligations is one to unhook from contract and two to celebrate each other's differences. When we start to do that, very simple, one simple thing you can do every single day, wake up and celebrate the differences of your those you're in in in, in partnerships with, in relationships with. changes everything somebody asked me is there one thing you can say to the world if you would have you know just on those big questions if you could say one thing to the world right now that you think would make a massive difference that what Olivia said celebrate yes. difference that's what i said no it's that's so great so beautiful uh so really uh the few things that 
the takeaways from this conversation here is it's to be impeccable with your contractual agreements and know exactly what you're in. Uh, because if you don't know, if you're not clear about it, that's where the misunderstanding and uh, the resentments and everything creeps up. But uh, but really also being generous in, uh, in, in the relationship and celebrating the differences. And then also realizing that there is no equivalency between the nebulous and concrete, you know, it's like a man could be a provider, but a woman could be uh, also a provider, or a man could be well, staying nursing. at home and yeah. nourishing the kids, or the woman that, could be working. So there is, there is no, you cannot uh, draw the equals between the intangibles of how they contribute to exactly. a relationship, and uh, and, exactly. and exactly. when you can celebrate the differences, uh, I think that's when the relationship magic happens. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's exactly. that's so exactly. great. Exactly. To celebrate the intangibles, you know, things like innocence. Uh, how do you, if, you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody who has a profound innocence, where's the equivalency for that? There is none. Innocence is its own magical, beautiful thing. It's like colors. It's like trying to say which is the better color and if you're putting a value on the different colors. It's idiotic. You need all of them. Right? Light can't exist without one color. Remove one color and you'd have no light. Light is the compromising of all the colors or the, you know, combination of all of them. It, it, it's this whole idea of, you know, better, worse and all that. No, it's nonsense. There is no equivalency. Everything is different and everything is magical as a result. Celebrate that difference. No, I love it. And no. that requires largesse of spirit. Yes. To be able to celebrate difference requires yes. largesse of spirit. Yes. It is a profound element in any relationship. Largesse of spirit. It is absolutely critical and essential. If your love has got a price tag on it, a condition on it, and an expectation on it, it's not love but a contract. Not absolutely. that contracts are bad. Just know the difference. Just know the difference. That's all. No, and this is a perfect segue into uh, the next topic that uh, I want to kind of like touch base on because I would be remiss if I don't talk about this. And that's, oh, you know, we talk about the the foundation of all of this and that is the largest of spirit, as you said. And, and the way it shows up in the real world is leadership. And uh, mm. I remember the conversation that we had a year ago and uh, one of the things that you had mentioned was that we give cues to our environment and the environment picks up on our cues and leadership is about deliberate cueing. And so tell us more about that. So uh, what is leadership to you and uh, what can one do to be the best version of the leader that they can be in their life? I would say the first point for leadership is to make peace with the fact that you to assume responsibility for what's going on. That's it. And there's no yes. reason, there's no should or shouldn't. There's no abstract out there. You're not necessarily the best qualified. It's the one who is willing to take on that leadership. I've mm-hmm. seen many examples where you've got really capable people and they say, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. But the one who is becomes the leader. Whether they have the abilities to actually, the skills, no, it doesn't matter. They are the one who's willing to take responsibility for being in charge and for organizing, for, for you know, 
pulling the, the magic out of people, assigning things, all of this. It's just, it's about responsibility. Leadership is about the assumption of responsibility. And there's no need to do it. No, it's something that you freely choose to do simply because, well, I don't know, for whatever reason you want to. And make peace with that, that you don't have to be a leader. It's something you choose. And it is a choice. And this is just you are choosing to do something that others don't necessarily want to do. This is a big point, right? And, and this is a huge thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's an act of nobility, really, leadership. Because it's a bonus goodness in our my definition and Olivia's definition of nobility. It is goodness over and above what you are required to do. You're not required to be a leader. Yes, there might be, but in a general sense. You are choosing to do a bonus goodness. And know this and be aware of this. And it's a responsibility that you're undertaking. And that's a big deal. For you to take the responsibility for me and others, man, that's a big pressure on you. Massive. This is a profound thing. It's a big deal. You know, so to be aware of that, all right, now, how do we do leadership? You know, that is more of a definition of what it is, to, at least to me and to Olivia. But now in, in terms of a how, we have to understand that in the way in which the world works, we are always communicating and affecting the world around us, even when we do nothing. You see me and I'm pretty chill. Oh, you know, my mood affects you and you start to be chill. I'm annoyed, I'm irritated, I affect you and you can be annoyed and irritated. No matter what I do, it has the capability to affect you. And in our current context, uh, this is a big theme that's been going on in, in the way of impeccability. We've been sharing this to say that our way of being, how we are, is exactly the same as a virus. We are in actual fact communicating and putting out things that affect others. And if it's negativity, it can infect them. So we have a responsibility to not be negative. Now we have to say, oh, as a leader, I have a responsibility to be in such a way. And I'm going to deliberately share and do things which are going to be affecting others. So my first responsibility is to be profoundly ethical, to be impeccable in what it is that how I am choosing to affect others. You could say leadership is conscious, deliberate ethical manipulation with integrity right we cannot help but then manipulate the environment if you're a leader this is it your job is manipulation to a certain extent now manipulation yes. has the connotation of underhandedness and 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 and, and squirreliness but it doesn't have to be we have to understand that when we are asking we are suggesting we are queuing all of the things we are doing we are being manipulative in some way we are asking somebody, we are pressuring them, we are leveraging them simply by being a, a leader and saying, I'm the leader. And others saying you're the leader, already there's a manipulation in play. Now, manipulation is sort of an ugly word, but when we really understand that this is what's on hand, we have to say, oh, I have to ethically manipulate. I have to manipulate with in full integrity. I have to be able to stand by my inadvertent manipulations, my cueings, my askings, my directions. I have to be scrupulous and impeccable in my integrity in what I'm asking. So in other words, if I'm in this universal, let's call it the courts of conscience. If I'm in the universe and it says, can you justify your behavior? Can you justify your actions? Was this according to your mandate? Did this conform? You have to be able to say yes to all of those questions. And this is a very big point of leadership. To understand that, yes, first of all, you are doing a mourners, but second of all, you are very, very responsible. And people are putting their trust in you to be responsible. This is the key point of leadership, to understand and know it's about trust. Trust, trust, trust. 
and you need to be impeccable. It doesn't matter if you make mistakes. We can make plenty of mistakes impeccably and it's not a big deal. You did your best. You were scrupulous. You were thorough. You were diligent. In other words, you were impeccable. This is why we call our program, which is so profound and it really makes a difference for those in leadership or coaching or anything, is this that we focus on this impeccability. And so it's called the way of impeccability is to really understand this is what makes the difference with anything. And if you are in any situation where you are looking to be a bit more self-aware, looking to be more aware, not only self-aware, but aware in general, when you are looking to enhance who you are to develop your understanding of the world, in that moment of becoming more aware, you automatically start to engage in leadership because you've taken a part of independence of being. Anybody who has any measure of independence of being is looked at by those around them as a leader. It's automatic. You cannot help it whether you want to be a leader or not. When you start to acquire independence of being, you are going to be influential. You are going to be a leader whether you like it or not. So now you have to take on that and realize I'm going to be affecting the world whether I want to or not. I'm affecting the world like with a virus as it were. My virus needs to be positive. Yes. My virus needs to be one that I can stand behind, that I can justify and validate and say, yes, I'm happy to affect the world. I'm happy to infect the world with what I'm putting out. It's not a negative. So this is a big deal. So, you know, leadership is about how we affect others and how we can do so, whether it's deliberate or inadvertent, either way. We've got to look at that virus that we're putting out. It's like being a conductor of an orchestra. We, ha in terms of pulling out the best that every a player has to offer. So yes, leadership is about orchestration or manipulation, right. however you want to put it. I prefer orchestration. If it's a natural-born leader, then there is orchestration involved in getting uh, the the best out of out of everyone, or leadership could be a way of navigating how you navigate in the world you could say yes you're a guide but in being a guide you you are navigating with your own being and with your own being you're also uh, showing the way for others in terms of how to navigate how to navigate life how to navigate a certain construct. So all of these things come into play and they all have uh, a certain element of orchestration because if you're navigating, you have to be impeccable with how you navigate, with what you're putting out, with how you are, with how you express your beingness, knowing that inadvertently, or deliberately, it might impact others. Right. We can't take the chance of just having debris that that causes uh, that becomes problematic. Right. So it is each and every one of us ethical responsibility in terms of how we are in the world yeah. at large, how we navigate. How we orchestrate? Oh, no, it's, that's and really great, really great. And uh, just so that, one thing quickly. yeah, sure, sorry, absolutely. Sorry, no, I, I wanted to just finish the point because you started with asking about queuing. Mm 
So we're kind of laying the foundation mm-hmm. here in terms of impeccability. But queuing is a very specific and deliberate usage of expectation. To understand that what we expect of people, it, it puts an idea into their head and it shapes a cocoon of behavior. So if I expect you to be dishonest, very often, well, that's kind of what you expect out of me. And then people behave according to that. Now, it's a very non-logical thing. You would say, why would somebody behave according to your expectations? And when it's, it's counterproductive for them. But this happens all the time. It's just a reality of our existence. We get cued up. Uh, you know, our teachers think, oh, you're stupid. And then you start behaving stupidly because, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. It's just part of how, our, I don't know if it's our DNA or our psychology or our upbringing, whatever it is. Cueing is really profound. Now, good leaders, they expect more. They expect positivity. They expect energy. They give their, those they are leading, they give them the benefit of the doubt. And they expect them to live up to that. And of course, when you get given this, when your leader says, hey, I know you can do it. I see a mourners in you. Yes, of course you can do this. You want to try and prove them correct. So queuing is an incredibly powerful thing. Our expectations in this case need to be absolutely exquisitely scrupulous. We have to expect the absolute best and we have to expect in a realistic capacity. Also, it's no good expecting unrealistic things. We have to expect a mourners which is realistic, but yet is also outside of the boundaries of the usual, right? So we know that people are capable of more than they think they are. And that's what we connect to them as leaders, to connect them to the mourners that's their real self. And this doesn't matter which field you're in, right? It doesn't matter any field. If you can get people to, and and you expect, you cue them, to, to deliver their mourners and say, I know you can do more than even you think that you can. And then they do. They do this once and forever after that you have a magical team. Right? When somebody stretches themselves and say, oh, you thought I could do this. I never thought I could do it, but you, you expected it. You really believed in me and I can do it. Ah, that's so it's to have a realistic expectation of mourners that is more than the person themselves believes, but not outrageous. Right? That way they get to understand that they are more and then they keep building on that mourners. Now you have a team. Now you have a team that can go into infinity anywhere you want to go. This is a team. This is a magical team. So that's the heart of queuing. It is the deliberate use of profoundly positive and strategically useful expectation. I love it. I really love it. So uh, just to recap and summarize for our audience here, one is leadership at its most basic foundation level is responsibility and you know nobody has to be a leader it's the more the fact that as long as you develop an independent way of being you automatically become a leader in your environment and it comes down to the choice of do you want to make a positive impact or do you want to make a negative impact and it's really a question of being an orchestrator or a conductor of the the team around you or in your domain, if you will. And I think, uh, I think uh, what, what you also said about queuing is that the next step about leadership is to being setting clear expectations and listening for the greatness and to be not outrageous, but also to stretch them in a way that they they, for themselves that they don't think that this is possible, but you know that they can stretch themselves yes. to this. And when all of those yes. uh, components yes. work together, that's when the team creates magic. 
Uh, yes. No. Okay, yes. that's that's great. Did I miss anything? Right. Well, that- ritual, right? And and we have this in the way of impeccability. That's what when you asked me earlier what I was doing over the weekend, and I said to you, I'm so excited. This is what was happening. People were sharing how the impossible, what they believe all their lives was impossible. And through the, the program, the Wave Impact Miracle, how they connected and they were able to make possible what all their lives they had believed was impossible. And simple things like just self-trust, right? They said, I never thought I could truly have self-trust. Or another person said, I never, ever, ever believed it was possible I could acquire and accomplish peace of being. Wow. You know, we cued that. We, we assume that this is possible. This is what we're about. This is what we do. This is what we bring about in people. Uh, you know, at first they were like, eh, but they acquired that. Oh, my God, the transformation, just the profound explosion. I mean, these people just don't know what to do with themselves. Just the possible has become, the impossible has become possible to them. Now anything is possible. And it's huge transformation. And this is cueing in its finest. We expected their mourners to come through. And they did. And man, what a difference. Transformational. Transformational. I love it. I really love it. And it's really trust. So as a leadership skill. Sorry, Cal. Sorry. You you got me on a roll. She asked me an earnest question. And I said, you know, it's going to bring stuff from me. As a leader, we need to develop that skill. And this, to me, is something, a skill that I will claim. I've really made an effort to develop the skill of learning how to see people's mourners. When I see you, I see your mourners automatically. That's what I see. This is all I connect to. When I'm doing the program with people, this is all I talk about. All I connect to is your mourners, your mourners, your mourners, your real self, your deep self, your higher self, whatever you want to call it, your mourners. They see me seeing it and they see me see it in others. And they say, oh, if he's seeing it in them and oh, I see it in them too. Oh, oh, oh. So in me, ah, wow, I have mourners. This is magical. This is a magical skill of leadership to be able to see people's mourners. That's beautiful. Really beautiful. I love it. Uh, so I'm going to switch gears here and uh, no get into the next section, which is the rapid fire round. And these are just a fun set of questions I'm going to ask you. And it's the first response that comes to your mind. And uh, so, uh, so we'll do like alternate the first question. I'll go with Olivia. The second one, I'll go with Cyril and so on and so forth. So the first question, Olivia, for you is who's your favorite music band? I like Santana because it's a happy sound. Okay, uh, great. Yeah. And then, Cyril, uh, what is one thing that you can do that might surprise other people? Oh. One thing that I do that might surprise other people. I, I can really make the obvious obvious in a very profound way. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> uh, the next one's for you, Olivia. Uh, what book have you read again and again? Uh, actually, I don't really read books twice or watch movies twice. Fair, uh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah not. Uh, yeah, and then uh, still for you, whose brain would you like to pick? Whose brain would I like to pick? Mm. Uh, right now, living, dead, past, present, future? Doesn't matter, like anybody from history, past, present, future. Mm. If you ask me right now, I'd say, oh, I want to pick Cal's brain, but okay, that's how I'm really involved with <laughs> you now. Seriously, you know, I love that. Yeah, so uh, for me, it's all about the moment of now. 
in, from a historical point of view, uh, it's hard to answer that question because I'd have to have something in attunement that would bring that to me. To pick it out of random, this is not the way I live and it's not how I do things. So the only F I would say to you, whatever comes to me in, in the, from attunement, that's whose brain I pick. No, I'm sorry not to give you a definitive answer. No, no, that's it's but, like uh, what it was on the yeah, this is rapid do. fire, rapid fire. So whatever comes to mind. <laughs> the next one is yeah. uh, for Olivia. If you could be successful in another profession, which would you choose? Mm. Oh, again, I, that's not really a question I can answer <laughs> because of attunement and alignment. Yeah, uh, my life yes. has always put me where I needed to be. Yeah. At doing what I needed to do, and it's always been incredibly magical and awesome. That's He's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so, Sil, what's the greatest work of art you've witnessed in your life? The, the greatest work of art I've witnessed. Wow! Wow! You know, f for me, I would say Olivia. <laughs> That's beautiful. And I'm not being funny because Olivia's life is about expressing artistry as a person, as mm. a being. So every single moment of her life is the implementation of her artistry of being, and it's a conscious, deliberate thing. And this is a this is a one long work of art that is, you know, uh, what is it, two, three decades now? Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm being very well. So you know, it, but it's, it's continuous every moment. So this is, this is a magical work of art, and you know, I see the same artistry in you, Cal. You know, but I know Olivia a little bit more than I know you. But people to me are the greatest works of art. You know, I, yes. person I know best in my life. Yeah. So I have to say, the greatest work of art that I know is Olivia, but it's people in general. They all work so yeah. hard. That's they great. In general. So the next one, this is for you, Olivia. What color describes you best? Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, I I don't have a favorite color. Uh, what color? It's like in the moment right now, if we had to ask you. Yeah, I guess a sunny color, a warm color. I do, yeah. If I would say anything, I'm partial to warm colors. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And then the next one's for you, uh, Cyril. And this is, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? Hey, we spoke about this. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. I would ask him what question I needed to ask. Mm. Or ask it. Okay, Say, what is the most appropriate question for me to ask? To ask. This is my yes. question. Yeah. What yeah. is the most appropriate question that I can ask him? No, that's great. I've never say, well, never heard anybody answer that, that way. No, that's great. That's really great. And this one final question is for both of you. And uh, you could probably have the same message or you could have a different message. But let me ask you this. If you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? <laughs> we answered that one already. Yeah. I would say live now. <laughs> live now like that celebrate difference celebrate difference yeah. celebrate the difference yeah. no this is beautiful and oh, now the it's the same oh, thing oh sorry Cal yeah. not celebrate the difference no celebrate, celebrate difference. difference celebrate difference okay it's a difference yeah yeah we are still looking to celebrate difference itself 
Yeah, just just the fact that there is difference. This is something to celebrate. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Oh, this is great. Are different. Yes, this is my celebration. You we mean are different. you hey. as a celebration? Yes, hey, it's yes. Not, it's not a thing to fear or stress about. No, the fact this gives interest, it gives variety, it gives magic in the world. You are different. Thank heavens. Imagine yeah. if they were all look like me in the world. Oh, that would be dreadful, wouldn't it? No, that's great. That's really great. And moving on to our final section here, and this is like, I just have the final three questions for you. Uh, and this is, uh, the first question is, uh, what is the current business or uh, personal passion project that you're working on? And, uh, you know, what are you looking forward to in the next six months? And, and you know, how can people find you? Ah, easy. Olivia? Again, it's really just being informed day to day and also uh, being informed by the overall project, Nobelia Living, uh, nobelia.org. Uh, That's where you can find us. Within the day to day. Yes. That's where I'm at. Yes. Application, in other words, to actually apply all of what we represent through the nobelia.org self-discovery project. And in particular, you know, for me, I'm fully engaged in the way of impeccability life change program, life change program, right? And this is a program for deliberate living. It's a toolbox that enables deliberate living. And this is a massive project. Now there's a link on there. You can, you know, find the way of impeccability on nobelia.org. Um, but this is, this is a profound project because this is why I was so excited. What I'm engaged in every day is connecting with people who are themselves connecting to their mourners, not me sharing with them. One of the most profound things that I do is say, hey, no belief required. People are coming to the program and say, what? What do you mean no belief required? You mean you're going to tell me what to do? Nope, 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 nope. I'm not. You are going to figure out what is it for you. But we are going to assist you. We're going to provide you the tools and the stimulus and all of this. But you are the one who is going to discover what's real you, what is meaningful to you, what is purposeful to you, what matters to you. The more of you. I'm just a facilitator. That's my skill. Like I said earlier, the skill of making the obvious obvious. He said, oh, well, why do you want to make the obvious obvious? He said, well, it wasn't obvious until it became obvious. It wasn't obvious before it became obvious. So this is all I do. I make the obviousness of your mourners obvious to you. This is a great thrill. This is a great joy. When people, oh, my God, yes, you're right. Oh, wow. And they, they have this awareness, of self-realization. Oh, duh, duh. And duh is one of the profound terms in our dictionary of power, which, you know, we, we assist you. You create your own dictionary of power of really meaningful understandings, concepts, and man, this is exciting. So this, you ask me what I'm involved in, that's what I do every day. No, it's and it's so a beautiful. really magical thing. Ah, oh, it's fantastic. You know, and that's beautiful. And, and we'll include all of this in our show notes for the audience so that uh, people can find out more about you. They can uh, reach out to you. And, uh, and then... Uh, what are, what are three things you're grateful for in life today? Oh, 
life itself. <laughs> yes, yes, magic, magic, because life to us is, is magic. magical. You know, and we don't mean magic in like wizards and Harry Potter magic. No, oh. we mean the magic of science. We mean you know the magic of your phone. We mean the magic of gravity, the magic of nature, the magic of people. Oh, yes, man, life the magic is of people magic. is extraordinary. Yes, exquisite, sublime. Yes, yes, that's great. And then, and then I'm 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 really appreciative for the people that I'm working with. If you, and the, because they come to the program with a deep intent to learn, to grow, to say, ah, you know, I'm successful. I've got everything, but I'm not satisfied. I want to be more. doesn't matter if I'm a CEO of a corporation or whatever. It makes no difference. I want more. And that moreness, this is what we're all about. You'll probably hear us say in the program, we say this half a dozen times, you know, but we always say there's always more. And this, the people that come, they are seeking that mourners, even though they don't use the words necessarily. This I'm inordinately grateful for. Because that effort, that earnestness, that intent to mourners, oh my goodness, this, when, you know, just all I have to do is facilitate and, and just provide the tools for them connecting to their mourners. And oh my goodness, it explodes from there. You know, just the transformations. It's like, man, the people will say, I, I, I'm like a completely different person. But this is actually who I always was, but I never could utilize all of my mourners. This is, this is a profound gift. You know, that, that earnestness, in other words, that intensity, that desire to want more. And to really want more, not in a, in a usual materialistic sense, but to want the more of your real self, the more that life has to offer, the more of magic. Ah, oh, man, man, I can't, I can't get excited enough about this. You know, every day That's a really, really beautiful. Story. And uh, I want to take a moment here to acknowledge uh, both uh, you and Olivia. And I'll start off with you, uh, Sil, that, you know, I acknowledge you for your just incredible a stand for humanity and what you have taken on as part of your purpose to help people discover their trueness, their authenticity, their, their obvious that's hidden from them, the elusive obvious, if you will. And, and to help them clarify with distinctions and tools that you personally have tried it for yourself and, and yes. to create an environment and facilitate it for them so that they can become uh, the best version of themselves and be the spirit warrior that uh, each one of us can uh, aspire to be. And so thank you for doing what you're doing and uh, really appreciate that. <clears throat> and then Olivia, yeah, and Olivia, one thing I want to acknowledge you for is just your amazing divine presence because i can i can sense the artistic goddess in you that just comes to play every day and taking the colors of life and the environments around you and creating this beautiful tapestry of uh, magic uh, in your environment and that is just not only healing and soothing to everybody who indulges in it but it gives them an opening to uh, discover for themselves uh, what's next and what's next and uh, what's possible. So thank you for who you are and what you contribute to the planet. Yeah, yeah I tease Olivia. I say she's a, she's a real-life angel because she transforms and improves everybody around her simply through being. That's it. She just is Olivia, and that's enough. She makes a difference just by being Olivia. You asked me about three things that I'm thankful for. That, that, that's one of them. That's, that's so beautiful. So great. 
Thank Very you. <laughs> and one final question, and this is how we uh, wrap up all our uh, interviews, and that is, uh, why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? Because Carl is sincere, Carl is earnest, Carl has an intent to be real. Yeah. This is something to listen to. You, Carl, you are the reason. Now, because you make a point to bring this realness and authenticity out of your guests. You cue it, you express it, you ask for it, and your earnest desire for realness is what makes the program something worth listening to. Yes, and your playfulness and your joy. There you go. That's very apparent about you. Yes. That it puts one at ease. Yeah, you exude in a very particular way. That is truly awesome. It's it's a joy to connect to. No BS, in other words. There's no alternative (laughs) agendas. There's no seeking status or fame. No, you really want to know. You want to know what curiosity. (laughs) You want to know about me. You want to learn. You want to grow. You want to understand. This is real stuff. You know, there's no agenda here. It's real, real, real. So that's it. You know what? Listen to the 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 wisdom of friends. Why? Because color is real. And when you rear realness, realness always leads to wisdom because you can use realness. You can't use bullshit. Yeah, and thank you so much. Yeah. And I, I love my guests, and uh, as you can say and yeah. tell, and and I really, really appreciate exactly. you taking uh, time out of your uh, exactly. schedule to be on this program. And yeah. and I really appreciate uh, all the conversation this evening. And for those of us who are listening, with that, we'll wrap it up. And uh, if you like what you heard, please share. Don't be shy. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Carla Raz. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to wisdomoffriends.net to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We hope you'll pass along our web address, wisdomoffriends.net, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on the website for previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. This has been a Seven Symphonies production Join us next time for another edition of The Wisdom of Friends.